afternoon. This is Mary Ann Reese. Uh, welcome to Senior Centric. I'm the founder and director of the nonprofit Lifelong Learning Program here in San Marcos and happy to be the host of Senior Centric. As a reminder, this program, Senior Centric, we built it around two attributes of people, fundamental attributes, I'd say, and that being caring and curiosity. And hopefully the, the caring and curiosity go beyond yourself and, and certainly apply to others. But often we tend to help others more than we help ourselves. So keep that in mind when you're thinking of yourself. Be kind. Uh, the program basically has three segments, upcoming community events of interest on our health, and the third, did you ever know or wonder? And I'd like to begin today with talking about uh, an upcoming event. But first, let me thank Jean Randall for being our producer. Thank you, Jean. And Becky Reese for being here to help me out and <laughs> ask questions and be sure that I'm making sense. So uh, the upcoming event that is uh, really, I think, of significant interest and, and uh, importance to San Marcos and to us who love music is the Texas State International Piano Festival. And it starts this Saturday uh, with an event that's going to focus on six young artists that have actually already been recognized and uh, through a competition as really quite deserving among the whole group that will be participating. And these six young artists will be uh, playing, uh, I guess, movements of a concertos and uh, with the Central Texas uh, uh, Orchestra that will be accompanying them. So it's going to be really quite nice for all of us. On June the 11th is the closing ceremony. It is a week-long festival. And there will be another performance with the, uh, the Philharmonic. And it, it's something I hope that you'll really uh, consider attending. And if you do, can and want to, I'd love to uh, receive your name and your interest and we can provide through Texas State and particularly the director of the program, Dr. Jason Kwok, uh, complimentary tickets to attend. We feel it's really uh, a strong uh, statement that San Marcos could make by having a nice audience for these young pianists. So consider that, and again, if you're interested, contact me. And the phone number you could contact me at is 512-216-6427, or you can email lifelonglearningsm, written together, small case, lifelonglearningsm at gmail.com. So hope to see you there, hope to hear from you. Um, let's make Texas State and San Marcos proud. The moving now on to what I've been really talking about for probably at least the three last programs of Senior Centric, the segment on your health. And that segment has been focusing on chronic inflammation. Uh, and the way I've gone about it, and we'll finish up hopefully today with kind of a summary and pulling it all together for us, is it's not it's probably in my opinion more important that you understand 
what's going on and why you need to take steps, if indeed you do, to become more healthy. Uh, I, I think knowledge is power and knowing more I think can only help us make those decisions to get up and make changes. So again just to remind ourselves what chronic information is and why I'm spending so much time on this and I'm hoping you're thinking about it and maybe doing your own studying and reading about it because the World Health Organization has recognized and stated that chronic information is probably the is not probably but is the greatest health issue that the world faces today the United States Department of Health in 2021 recognized and sent out the statistic that six out of ten adult citizens in the United States have at least one disease caused by chronic inflammation and even more scary, four out of 10 people have two, at least two of these diseases. To explain what chronic inflammation is and how it builds up and uh, shows itself in some really ugly diseases, is to first look at basically four systems and responses going on in our bodies. The first and primary one is the immune response. And I'm going to look at it as good, bad, and ugly. Because most of these are good. There's a reason that these responses and systems are ongoing in our bodies. The uh, immune system, of course, is the concept that to protect our body from disease and damage, whether it's cuts, burns, uh, toxic plants and chemicals. The immune system is there to protect us, to, uh, to heal us. And when you think of the immune system, uh, the first thing that comes to mind are white blood cells. Well, there are multiple types of white blood cells that uh, in a way cascade once damage is recognized or happens there's a cascade of events started out with the white blood cells that end up with inflammation, which is the result of it trying to, well, actually some of the cells actually gobble up bacteria that may invade your body. Uh, those are the, uh, well, I won't name all the cells, but all of this results in swelling, redness, heat, I think all of us has, have seen that in the past when you have a cut or a burn, you know, swelling happens and that's part of the blood rushing toward that side of damage, bringing in your blood pressure builds up, brings in heat and the cells necessary to uh, start getting the body rid of whatever threat has uh, entered or hit them. I need some water right now. <laughs> okay, so the immune system, that's a good part. It is protective. It's what gets us through so much of the dangers that we, we actually daily on daily basis run into. Cuts, disease, viruses, bacteria, those kind of things. When you... Um, 
think about the immune system going bad, it's with the idea that it doesn't turn off. It keeps for some reason, and the reasons will be explained as we go forward, but it continues to look for damage and antigens or foreign proteins, bodies in your system are on it that it doesn't recognize, and it attacks um, too often healthy cells and tissues. And this is what happens when chronic inflation, inflation continues to attack areas that are not damaged to explain that. Um, I, I guess mainly when you start looking at the, the immune system, the next system to look at is um, your stress response system. And we've talked about this before, but as a reminder, it's the what has been caused previously is the fight or flight uh, process. It got us it's basically two steps. And the first step is recognizing that there is a threat, a threat to your, your body. Uh, the first threat is sensed through your eyes or hearing or that hair up on your back of your neck, goosebumps, something you're aware of is perceived as a threat. And that, what that sets off is through the nervous system, hits parts of the brain, the brain sends a signal to the, well, actually goes straight to the adrenal glands, which are on top of your kidney, which sends out uh, adrenaline. And adrenaline is what makes your eyes dilate, you get ready to run or to fight, thus that name. And it's um, the second thing that happens instantaneously after the first adrenaline formation is that the second step goes to the brain, the pituitary, the, the hypothalamus, the pituitary sends a signal through the blood to the adrenals and it releases cortisol, which is referred to as the stress hormone. And this is supposed to, basically it shuts down the functions in your digestive system, reproductive system, because it funnels all the energy source, which is glucose, to the areas of your body that are preparing you to fight or to flee. Hmm. Primarily it goes and where the damage can be done most when this system goes awry is to the brain. Most of it goes in or much to the brain. Hmm. I'll keep explaining these things as, as I go forward, but when the system, again, as the immune system starts malfunctioning what the cortisol that is episodic after this threat or perceived threat is dealt with, that there are other chemicals that cascade through and turn off the flow of cortisol to your body. But there are malfunctions in it. Now the malfunctions that we're talking about both with the immune system and now with the stress response are often called and what they cause are were often referred to as age-related diseases. And that starts wondering, well, the malfunction is age-related. And so the question would be, 
why would it be age-related? And um, the answer is, you may not like this answer, but the answer deals with evolution and natural selection. And we have to go back and look at our, our past, our really ancient ancestors, and think about, because think about what kind of environment did they live in and exist? And when I'm talking about ancient ancestors of the human race, the, human, uh, the Homo sapiens, which is our genus and species, when we were evolving about 4.2 million years ago in Africa, the hominids were the ancient ancestors giving rise to Homo sapiens. In about 2.8 million years, the genus Homo developed. This, these are evolving man. And then about 200 to 300,000 years ago, which is really not that long ago, Homo sapiens evolved. But during this time, all this evolution is being pushed by one driver, and the main driver is natural selection. And natural selection, I'm going to use kind of an anthropomorphic term, its focus is on the perpetuation of the species, not the perpetuation or the life of an individual within that species. So natural selection to do this, to try to keep a species evolving and uh, existing, it mainly functions on the fact that there are changes that occur in relationship to the environment in which you live. So imagine 4.2 million years ago in Africa what that environment would be like. And that environment is one of mainly well, the individuals mainly uh, having episodic stress with uh, mainly saber-toothed tigers and other being hunted themselves, but it wasn't ongoing stress, episodic. And again, this will fold forward in, as we go forward with this little conversation. Also, the, uh, our ancestors primarily ate plant-based, their food stock was plant-based, roots, other fruits, and whatever they could find. Uh, anthropologists have only found that probably our ancient ancestors started eating meat about 1.2 million years ago and didn't cook until about 300 to 400,000 years ago. So I'm trying to paint a picture or verbally explain try to uh, describe an environment in which we evolved, where there was episodic stress, not on ongoing stress. There was, our diet was mainly plant-based. Um, there certainly were bacteria and diseases and cuts and wounds that the, our ancestors had to heal from to exist. So natural selection is then focuses on when changes occur within the genes of the individuals, those changes that made them better adapted to the environment in which they lived, did live to the age of reproduction, and their then progeny 
perpetuated the species. So those that were better adapted for the environment in which they lived, lived forward. So all of this background about natural selection and evolution and adaptation brings us to us today. And that is, that's the environment in which Homo sapiens, you, myself, my sister, and Jean, we evolved in that. And that's still with us as primary genes. That's four million years of evolution. And Homo sapiens have been around 200 and 300,000 years. But evolution and natural selection is a very slow process, as you can imagine. So I guess where I want to just slow down for a second and given that information, give you a little bit of a framework maybe to pin what I've just shared with you and what I'm going to share with you. And the framework is, goes like this. First of all, that about natural selection that is focused on the species being perpetuated through time and not individuals. The second, I, I want, there's cliches that we've heard in the past, or one's a song lyric, actually. And the, the statement, <clears throat> I want to modify it a little bit, I did last month. But it's, you have to know the past to understand the present. And I would modify that, certainly in this discussion, you need to know the past to change the present. And the second one deals with, um, a Lady Gaga song. <laughs> and the lyric I think you all know when, when one of my favorite, one of her songs is the idea, I was made this way. I would change it as saying, I wasn't made this way. And that's reflecting back to our ancient ancestors. That's the way we were made. That's the way our genes developed over time, have adapted to plant-based episodic stress and a lot of exercise if you think about what they were doing our ancestors they didn't have to go to the gym their life was a very physical life so that's what we're based on that's what our genes are primarily based on I would also uh, want to to uh, have you recognize if you don't already that basically we our bodies are electrochemical reactors. There are probably, there's about 30 trillion cells that make up your body. And each of those cells, except red blood cells, they don't do this, but most of all those 30, trillion, 30 trillion cells manufacture or um, have over, oh gosh, I think the number is around 30, trillion you know I just I think I'm going to overdo that so I'm going to say 60 million but I've seen notes all over the place saying trillions but it makes more sense to me about 60 million reactions in each cell per second and that deals with building proteins, ribosomes, I mean, all of the things of mitochondria, all the things going in there. Can you imagine 
it's 60 hard. million, I mean, I, I, I just don't even want to say the trillions and billions that I read because I think if you multiply all the cells that you have times that, you're going to get that huge number. But we're just a walking chemistry lab. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. Our bodies are just simply amazing to me. So we're basically electrochemical. That's pretty much what we are. Uh, a fourth statement that I want you to now keep in your mind that we're talking about our ancient ancestors. Thanks to, to modern times and to modern manufacturing and industry and technology, we are living a lot longer. That's good, right? Right, Jean? Right, Becky? As long as you're healthy. And that's the key. And that's the problem is that, again, this modern manufacturing, think highly processed foods, technology, uh, doing we, we're not as physically active just to live a sedentary lifestyle what a sedentary lifestyle yep that's uh, that's true that's true so that's the good and the bad of of where we are now is we're living longer but remember what i said about natural selection it is about it basically focuses on getting an individual in a species to reproductive stage. Think about mayflies, they live, they mate, they die in one day. Natural selection isn't keen on us living a long life. Manu you know, we have do that through better health care and all of the you know, vaccines, but that's not natural selection. And that's why these immune systems, stress responses, and why these diseases that we've named before, and I'll name again in a minute, get us. Because our systems aren't meant to go to 70, 79 in the United States is the average age now. Our ancestors lived at best to 40, but 20 to 40 was their lifetime. And so once reproduction occurs, that's what natural selection had and what where we are too, when you look at some of these systems that are, are malfunctioning after a while. <clears throat> Another statement, when you start talking about chronic inflammation, again, a framework that I'm giving, the fifth is about processed foods. They all cause inflation. The food that is processed has been mechanically or chemically treated. Mechanically, it can just be washed or whatever it's done to, but chemically treated is done to make it like emulsifiers. If you read a label and it says emulsifiers, it'll, it mainly is added to things like mayonnaise and ice cream, peanut butter. Emulsifiers are fats that are added to liquids to keep them from, to, to stay as a consistent solid. Without an emulsifier, they would separate and sometimes you see that in mm -hmm. yogurt and peanut butter if it stands long enough so the additives they do to either preserve it to have it a longer shelf life to keep it as a solid all of these things are part of the processing foods and uh, wheats taking the bran off and some of the healthy parts all of these like white flour all of these are highly processed they are not giving you the nutrients that you need. Highly
processed foods cause inflammation. Um, and I think the last thing, <clears throat> and I mentioned this a little bit before, is that I really, I do believe that the more you know, the more motivated you might be. But I have a question. And Jean and Becky, this goes to you. And all you have to do is just say yes or no. Okay. Have you ever heard of anything called the habinula? H-A-B-E-N-U-L-A. Is that a body part? It is. Any idea where well, it might be? I've never heard of it. It's in the brain. And it's one of the least things that we talk about. When you think about why we get motivated, and I'm talking now about I want you to be motivated, but we find it difficult to do. And one of the things is this, it's a primitive part of the brain where the thalamus and the pituitary, all of that's in the midbrain. And it's primitive. And what it does is the opposite of what dopamine and the thalamus does, which are the reward center. You do something, you play a game on your computer and you win and you have this sense of yes, and or it might be a soccer game or it might be a well done job at, at uh, work or something. But the this habinula is just the opposite. It is the negative reward system. And you we all have it, but it's basically if you've done, and again, think about our ancestors. They're out and they um, are getting chased by something and they, they try to climb a tree or they try to do something and they fail. And they try to do something and they fail at it again. What this organ is, doing it records those memories so that you don't keep doing the same thing over and over again until you're dead hmm. so it's a way to protect you but it's like these other systems we're talking about now it's a negative reward system so if you've tried to go to lose weight you've tried to exercise get yourself on the schedule and you fail once or twice the this particular primitive little organ is saying, don't do that. Just don't do it. There are ways around it, and it's small steps. Set, set goals that you can actually reach. Small goals, easy goals, and then add to it. You have to say, Habinula, I can do it. <laughs> you know? And you have to show success and then the thalamus, but it's this yin-yang thing is just really quite interesting. You know, we, we keep hitting our heads saying, I don't have the willpower, why can't I do it? Most everything that you feel like, like that, there is something in your body, biochemically working either for you or against you. Wow. It's not just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just weak. I'm just, all the negative stuff. So the positive thing is, is the way to go in, in about anything. How do you spell that again? H-A-B-E-N-U-L-A. Habinula. Habinula. Yep, it's That's a little good known. To know. I, I wish I'd known it earlier, a lot earlier, right. you know, with teaching and students and all that. Just set small goals, achieve it, work up. We hear that, but the reason it's successful is actually a, you're retraining your brain. Hmm. It's trying to work for you, but it's working against you. Well, I've started kind of giving you an, an idea of the good, bad, and the ugly about inflammation. And uh, 
chronic stress. Um, there, there is something called, and I'll go back to the inflammation and to the immune system. When the immune system is good and acting appropriately because you've been cut and you're going to have a scab forming or if you've drunk something that's toxic, you throw up, vomiting, is your immune system at work. But that's acute, acute inflammation. It should be short range, few hours, a day or two. Then your immune system's working for you. But there is then what we refer to and what is bad is chronic inflammation. And that's when it doesn't stop. Uh, and cortisol with the stress response is nigging it along, pushing along that. Let's take a pause right now for our station break. I am drying out like crazy. You sound good, though. Hey, this is Tim from Brother Roscoe. You should listen to Metal Mark, even though he will never have us on his show, because he's badass. Bye. Hi, I'm Sid, and welcome to Sid's Place, the best place to hear your favorite oldies. Coming to you on Sunday from 8 to 10 p.m. Central Time on kzsm.org. That's Sid's Place, Sunday from 8 to 10 p.m. Central Time. The 12th Annual Texas State International Piano Festival will be held from June 4th through June the 11th and will feature daily performances by young pianists, guest artists, and rising stars from all over the world. The festival is designed to foster students' artistic development and create an international network of musicians from varied backgrounds. Performances on June 4th and June 11th will feature pianists accompanied by the Central Texas Philharmonic at Texas State's Performing Arts Center located at 430 Moon Street. Parking is available behind the center. For free tickets for these two events, contact Marianne at lifelonglearningsm at gmail.com or 512-216-6427. For more information about the festival, contact Dr. Jason Kwok, Distinguished Professor of Piano and Director of the Piano Festival at jk45 at txstate.edu. Every Monday night... From 11 until 1 on Tuesday morning, you've got The Wiz with you, bringing you the best of all that great vinyl from all the years past. All the snaps, crackles, hisses, and pops that lets you know that it is legitimate vinyl. Catch us here at kzsm.org. Vinyl Confessions. Thanks for coming back. Enjoyed getting a little bit of water. I hope you stood up or did something. <laughs> but uh, I've been talking about these diseases and the good and the bad. The good is what it's supposed and how it's supposed to function, the immune system, the stress response. The bad is when it starts malfunctioning and usually the systems don't turn off. The turn off valve and there are a lot of these reasons why they don't, like cortisol keeps pumping through your blood, is the, the chemistry or the sequence of reactions is not well known yet. I mean, this, these are hard things for researchers to 
identify. I mean, we're talking about living people and uh, living things ongoing. So it's there's still a lot of research to be done and finding out, but we know a lot. But the main thing, what we know, <clears throat> excuse me, is the, the ugly part. And the ugly part are the consequences of chronic inflammation. And the consequences, this is in no order, this sounds like idle or something. One is Alzheimer's disease. And some people I've started reading are referring to it as type three diabetes. But Alzheimer's now is being understood to be uh, causative factors, chronic inflammation, as is cancer, heart diseases, diabetes, chronic fatigue, depression, osteoporosis, fatty liver disease, macular degeneration, irritable bowel syndrome, syndrome and other gastrointestinal problems. I mean, it, the list is just more and more that we're finding out causative factors. Uh, and behind this chronic inflammation is, and I've already mentioned, number one, probably poor nutrition. Again, we evolved on a plant-based diet, and that's where you'll see most of the most popular magazines as well as research articles are pushing the Mediterranean diet or a plant-based diet or the DASH diet, which the U.S. Department of Health puts out, it has recipes and, and reasons why you should eat more vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds, fish and less red meat. So these causes, you can start seeing them as poor nutrition, decreased exercise, any smoking, any tobacco products is, is bad. This unmanaged stress that we're talking about where cortisol keeps pumping through us, as well as, um, well, excess alcohol, inadequate sleep, and nice way to put this instead of obesity just say too much weight and it really you don't have to be by the pound determined obese but excess weight also is one of the factors pushing chronic inflammation uh, well I've already kind of discussed, I think, enough with the stress response and that it should be episodic. And I think Becky's a good example of that with uh, lizards. <laughs> I have a lizard problem in my house. <laughs> but it can be just something, whatever, it, it can be simple. But if it, it, if it excites you or stresses you for that moment, that's what that stress response is meant to do, prepare you to Fight off that little gecko. <laughs> Get the broom. Get the broom. There you go. But then... Um, Get a cat. <laughs> a cat will work, right. All right, so the stress response. It's some, sometimes referred to, if you read some articles, as the HPA axis. But that's just standing for the three main organs that, that actually uh, cause this stress response, which is a good thing. And that's the hypothalamus, 
the pituitary, and the adrenal glands that sit atop your kidneys. Those three work together to get you ready to fight or flee. There's a third uh, growing, uh, I'm going to call it, well, it's, I'm going to call it what some of the literature is calling it, and they're calling it the third brain. And if you receive the lifelong learning schedule that we sent out oh, a week or two ago, I posed the question in the senior-centric uh, part of what, is, what weighs three pounds, has a communication system, and trying to think what else I said about it. But basically, most people would come up with the idea that it was the brain. Because mm -hmm. our brains weigh approximately three pounds. It has a communication system. <clears throat> but in this case, it's, it's your, well, the gut biota or microbiota, sometimes called the gut microbiome. It's basically referring to about three pounds of microbes, bacteria, fungi, viruses. There's some other little bugs that get in there. And the number within that three pounds is estimated to be about 38 trillion of those organisms in our GI tract. Most of them, well, the GI tract goes from the mouth to the colon but most of them reside in the small intestines and the, the colon itself. Most are in the, the colon. The small intestines about 22 feet long. The colon is about six feet long. So there are 38 trillion bacteria, primarily viruses, that live in there. These guys are, are good. This is, this along with the, your immune system and your stress response, your gut biome evolved together, starting back that 4.2 million years and, and forward. So they, they're, they're company to each other. They work together. In fact, the gut microbiome, those bacteria that form that, that element, again referred to as the, a second brain because one of the largest nerves in your body is the vagus nerve, and it runs from the base of the brain, obula, uh, anyway, from the base of the brain down through the spinal cord into the stomach, small intestines, and colon. Those are nerves, fibers that go off the vagus into those organs. There's a bunch of them. There's also nerves then that run from the vagus, and then there are nerve fibers that run toward the brain. About 90% of the fibers that move from the gut to the brain, 90% uh, of the fibers have that motion from the gut to the brain, leaving 10% communication from the brain to the stomach. So that flow is saying the stomach is doing, or the gut, and those bacteria in the gut are doing the primary communication to the brain. <laughs> They are, and the way they do it is when they, they reproduce, when they, they oxidize the food they're feeding on, which is the food that's coming to them through your eating it, they feed off of that food. 
they have metabolites or products of that reaction and those metabolites are key ingredients to many of the enzymes and hormones that your body uses. Indeed, it's uh, serotonin, which is a feel-good hormone, makes you feel good when you see a pretty object or you walk in nature. That 90% of that hormone is, is produced in your gut by bacteria, only 10% in your brain. Uh, I think uh, one of the enzymes, and if you think about, I always learned in, in school that cows can't, they eat grass, they feed on grass, but they have no way to digest it. Hmm. Except I was taught, I don't know about y'all, there was a parasite in one of the forced rumens or stomachs that digested it. Well, it's not a parasite, they're bacteria. And all of these bacteria and viruses I'm talking about are 90% of it of those 38 trillion are symbiotic. They, they feed off the food you don't feed on, you are ridding your body of, they feed on it in that colon, but they produce things that are advantageous to the host, hmm. which is us. So that's a symbiotic relationship. One of the things they do for us as they do in cows and every mammal there is have this gut microbiome, none of them can digest on their own grass. The deers, the cow, us, these bacteria do it. And mammals in this system started really evolving about 500,000 years ago, but this is part of us, it's part of all mammals, uh, but we're, we have to recognize that we have this gut biome, but it's symbiotic. <laughs> and we do ingest I'm going to call them germs because the term germ really refers to bad bacteria, bacteria that, that are parasitic. So we do get germs in us, and if our immune system doesn't take care of it, our gut can. The bacteria in there, they take care of the bad ones because it's competition. So they, they, uh, ad, it's advantageous there. I guess the last thing I'll say about the gut biome, except it's, it's a good thing, unless we eat the wrong stuff and then it turns it into uh, not as productive and in fact causing a lot of these irritable bowel syndromes and uh, the gut biome can also produce things well antioxidants that I'll talk about in a minute that ex actually help uh, fight chronic inflammation. And I'll talk about that when, right now. <laughs> <clears throat> because the fourth thing I wanted to mention to you besides the immune system, the stress response, the gut biome is actually a, a chemical process that's going on in all of those 30 trillion cells that we have in our body, our cells. <clears throat> And that's a chemical process that's sometimes called a redox reaction or reduction oxidation reaction, which might, I hope y'all just didn't blow up when I said that word, redox. <laughs> I don't want to talk too much chemistry, but it is a chemical reaction that basically uses the oxygen that we breathe in, carried by our red blood cells to all of our cells. That oxygen is used to 
oxidize or let's, I'm going to use the word combustion like gasoline and oxygen combusting to form energy. That's a similar process going on in your cells where oxygen is combining with glucose producing the molecule ATP which is our fuel adenosine triphosphate that runs our body is the energy of our life. It's produced by oxidation and the glucose molecule that is the breakdown product from fats and proteins are converted to glucose and carbohydrates. So that's the energy that's formed. But in this process, not only does it form ATP and carbon dioxide, but there are some things it produces that are called, the molecules that are produced are called oxidants. And they're basically it's, well, they're also called free radicals, but what they are in the process, this chemical process, one or more of the electrons needed to make it less react, make that substance a molecule uncharged is lost. So basically you have a highly reactant product that if it is let to be highly reactive, what those free radicals can do, they'll go, they will react with proteins in your body, the enzymes, the hormones. It can react with DNA molecules. It'll, what it, the reaction is it'll, it's so reactive, it can t take away, remove electrons from molecules in your body, DNA, and make them non-functional. Hmm. So these free radicals that are normally produced in oxidation, but your body has developed over time homeostasis, which means a normal balance. So the number of oxidants that you, your body made, if, if it, they weren't taken care of, neutralized, we wouldn't live. Our DNA would go plop in our proteins. We wouldn't have enzymes and hormones. We would not function. So there are a number of antioxidants, other chemicals that are made, like I mentioned from the gut does it, our own body, uh, other systems make antioxidants that combine with those free radicals or they're called oxidants so that you have a neutralized system, a balanced system, a system where you're well, you're neutralizing <laughs> so that you, you do not disrepair or harm your tissues. Does that make sense, Becky? It's hard. Once I hear electrons and, you know, and it, it free, a, a free radical is bad. Antioxidants are good, right? Free radicals are bad. Antioxidants are good. Right. And yeah. it's kind of what the electron does to destroy DNA, I don't quite get, so. It rips it out of another, it, think about, um, what, what could we say? Think about some solid. Uh, okay, think about those little games where you stick little pins, little wooden things and stack them up. Mm -hmm. And you can take one little, what's that called, ginkgo or tinko or something? Uh, Jenga. Yeah. Jenga. Okay, you stack them up, and mm -hmm. then the guy, it, your yeah, idea yeah. is to try to pull one out with right. the whole thing not collapsing. Okay. 
that's kind of what happens with these radicals, the free radicals, oxidants to antioxidants, is that if you, if you take one electron out or something, it may not fall apart, but it most likely will collapse the whole system. That helps me see it. Something, yeah. something yeah. like that. you got to have the whole move one bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, we'd need to talk about an atom. <laughs> Gene, were you going to say something? Well, I was going to say is that uh, the electrons uh, ionizing uh, uh, cells basically, like Marion was saying, release it. Basically, you're, you're, the atoms in, in have a balance, electrical balance. When you have radicals, they basically, like she said, strips off electrons. Now you have two things that are, have a charge, a positive and a negative. And the, those are the oxidants. Uh, those are the... Uh, the, the free radicals that will actually cause damage to the tissues. Right. The, the uh, antioxidants, however, like you said, uh, will neutralize those free, those charged particles, basically, and kind of bring back to a, uh, electron, a balance, yep. basically. <laughs> you know, they make, make it we, easier. Once I mean, you get the concept, it, yeah, it's good, but right. it, it is, it is. Well, it's kind of difficult to explain in just a, you know, just a couple minutes. I mean, uh, I, used to, I could give you a whole lecture on it, but I used to be a radiation worker. Well, yeah. it's, yeah. But, but now basically the, and the, and the antioxidants, antioxidants are yeah. neutralizing all those free radicals that are released and that cause inflammation <laughs> in all the different organ tissues and stuff. Yeah, I think that's a, something we, we could have a, <laughs> sit around and have a sure. drink and try to <laughs> discuss it. Well, anyway, so let's see. We're building up to the point. <clears throat> How much time do we have? I didn't wear my watch. Yeah, about 10 minutes. About 10, 10 more minutes. Well, let me quickly wrap it up because uh, we want to I'm talk sorry. a little bit about some other things maybe. But um, so what hopefully that we have an idea of or a better idea of is that these are systems that are, are productive while we're growing but as we age, especially after reproductive age, these systems begin to fail. Hmm. But we are exacerbating, we're, we're pushing it by the things we have control over, but we're not doing it as well as we should. And that is the diet, plant-based. And one of the things about the plant-based and that we're stripping it when we have processed, highly processed foods and we don't eat the right stuff, too much red meat, uh, not enough vegetables and fruits because there are things called essential vitamins, essential minerals, and essential fatty acids. There are 13 essential vitamins and this essential term is really significant. It means your body doesn't produce them. You must ingest them, you Mm. must eat them. Some people take the pills or you can take vitamins and all that, but most of the research is that if you eat the plant, and all of these plants where you're talking about blueberries with vitamin A or, you know, they all have certain chemicals in them. They're not all the same. Eating a blueberry is not like eating a strawberry or eating an orange. Some have more vitamin C, some more A, more D, more E. There are 13 of them we need to take in. And it's better to eat them as opposed to take them in pill form because those vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds have other stuff in it, fiber 
and not just vitamin A. They'll have vitamin C in it. And so the variety is important. And when you talk about variety in food, you think about, well, nuts. Your best nut to eat is walnut. Your best fish to eat is salmon because of the fatty acids, the omega-3s that you need. So check out the vitamins and essential vitamins because that's what you should ingest via food as opposed by not my opinion necessarily. Yes, it is, <laughs> but, but it, it's research-based if you start reading about that. So that's vitamins. Minerals, there's five of them that are essential to your body. Calcium, iron, uh, potassium, potassium, iodine. These are things that you need to take in because your body doesn't, uh, you, know, you eat them through your food, whether it's nuts, you just check out what they have and what you need. As far as fatty acids, this, these will help make your uh, fats and lipids that form your tissues. Uh, Omega-3s are the ones you really want to get, but you get more from salmon just than omega-3. Very quickly for the other things, we talked about what we are not doing well, and that's uh, exercise. And exercise, like, like the habinula would have you do, is start small if you're not doing it now. Start set small things. And most of the research says if you could get 150 minutes per weekend walking, great. Some will say uh, 7,000 steps, not 10. But if you can get 10, great. If you can go 160 minutes, wonderful. If you can stand, stand more than you sit. Mm -hmm. So whatever you can do, small steps, build it. Stress. We talked about episodic stress and the little lizards. <laughs> and then we also, there's chronic stress, and that can be relationships, money, job, uh, health issues. It can be whatever the stress is, the first thing to do is identify what, what's making you stressed. And then look at what can I do to start kind of calming that down. If it's really bad, there's always therapists to go to. Or you can journal, you can read, you can walk, you can meditate, go through mindfulness. We had a really good mindfulness class in Lifelong Learning a couple of months ago. There are steps to be taken and you have control over these. You can exercise, you can eat better. Uh, you can work on your stress and sleep. You should get seven hours of sleep. You should have a routine that you go to bed at a certain time and you get up at a certain time. Uh, extra sleep is, most researchers say that's not the best thing. Napping, maybe 30 minutes a day, okay. But it might, longer might eat into your other hours, but sleep is, is a way that your body heals. It's also uh, when neurogenesis occurs, your brain starts building more neurons. It's, uh, it's very important and all of these things, we, we do all these things for a reason. There's a reason we sleep, and it's part of healing. Mm -hmm. I, for the last couple of minutes, uh, just want to talk a little bit more about stress. And one way is getting, and, and some stress is because of social inactivity, and that's been really a problem with COVID. But Becky, you've really found a, a neat way to deal with stress. Learning. 
Lifelong learning. Lifelong learning or the, the great courses. courses and yeah, I, uh, I subscribe to what used to be called the Great Courses Online, and it's now called Wonderum. And every day um, I watch a class or two, and there are all these offerings, uh, everything from Van Gogh or how to look at art to uh, the Irish identity or medieval England. But what I've also started doing is uh, turning on one of the classes and doing my exercise wow. program while I watch a lifelong learning class. So my exercise routine and I do some weight lifting and cardio and balance and about 30 minutes uh, every day, but I, you know, partner it with uh, oh, one of the good. classes and the lifelong learning is um, you know the the great courses the wonderum uh, kind of is a segue to what lifelong learning has on offer which is more than 30 uh, DVDs that Marianne makes available to check out and and I mean, we, we have super string theory. We have <laughs> courses on impressionism and we have uh, comparative religion, a lot of history, a lot of literature. And I know Mary, Mary wanted me to kind of talk about, you know, she's got this to offer. And it's very uh, exciting. I mean, just to learn something new every day it just expands your life it does so how do you go about uh watching these videos uh, mm -hmm. you can watch it on your computer okay. it, it's like a cd a or it or on your tv if you have like a blu-ray is there a link oh or is it a cd yeah we have we have the oh, actual cds I, and on our website the lifelong learning website llsm whatever it is Anyway, our website, uh, we have those courses listed, and I'd love to share them with people, but, but you can also sign up for Wondrium yeah, Wonder and do streaming. Wondrium is um, it's for profit, so it's like $10 a month, and, but you have this incredible um, choice of uh, classes. Well, $10 a month isn't too bad. I mean, you pay that much for... Uh, magazine subscription online if you went to least. the movie you know yeah. once you you know you'd kind of be equivalent speaking of which it's like having, you know, i think we should go see top gun <laughs> <laughs> I, w I wanted to give uh, the website for lifelong learning and be uh be real specific it's lll san marcus spelled out dot org but we have books listed we have some of our presenters listed that have written books uh that just there's a lot more information on our lifelong learning and we're going to start posting our podcasts from this radio after a little editing <laughs> put the put them on our uh website and also some of the scripts so that if you wanted to look at it or references and uh we're, we're going to add to our website but i think you'll find it interesting and and again informative there and but so if somebody wanted to check out one of these cds they just get in touch with you yep yep and remember about the piano festival coming up on the 4th and the 11th We've got free tickets for you just contact me at 512-216-6427 or the my email is lifelonglearningsm 
at gmail.com.